Welcome to Market Street to Main Street, AIM's legislative episodes of the Hometown Innovations podcast and a supplement to our e-newsletter, Legislative Summary. During the legislative session, this weekly podcast series will offer a rundown of what happened at the State House and important legislative action and issues our members need to know about. You'll hear AIM's expectations for the upcoming week and the team's strategy for addressing critical legislation. Hi, welcome to Market Street to Main Street, a special legislative series of AIM Hometown Innovations podcast. I'm Jennifer Simmons with AIM, joined by our intrepid and sagacious Director of Government Affairs, Jenna Bentley. Welcome, Jenna. Thank you. I need to pull up dictionary.com because I'm not sure what those words mean. <laughs> oh, gutsy, gritty. <laughs> You and you know, I, I actually use my thesaurus to come up with that today as well. <laughs> well, thank you. Full disclosure. Um, all right, Jenna, it was a really, really busy week at the state house. Um, committees, you know, there's not much time left on committees. Tax and fiscal, the Senate Tax and Fiscal Policy Committee this week was packed, uh, full of bills we care about. You spent a lot of time in there on their bills and their issues. So I think let's spend a lot of time today getting a recap of that committee meeting, all the different bills and AIMS testimony on the same. Sure. I think the, the major one we want to start out with is in House Bill 1120. We've talked about it a couple of times. But as a reminder, it had two provisions in there, one dealing with the excess levy appeals and another dealing with um, TIF parcels. So on the excess levy appeals, um, we were grateful to have um, not only us testify on it, but a representative from the city of Noblesville and a town council member from Danville who would have been impacted by the very specific change on excess levy appeals in House Bill 1120. Um, as a reminder, what the bill the legislation would do um, in the House pass version is say, in order to qualify for an excess levy appeal, the city or town has to have 4% growth in AV above the statewide average. And we hear from a lot of communities that the current wall of 2% growth above the statewide average is already really hard to hit. I would say that the feedback from members of Senate Tax and Fiscal has been pretty understanding of why we're concerned with that legislation. Um, the Senator Holman chose to hear the bill, but hold it. So there was no vote taken on it. Um, all signs point to that language potentially um, and most likely coming out of the bill, which is good news. And we did have a follow-up conversation with Chairman Thompson, um, who, who is the bill author and who introduced this excess levy appeal language um, via an amendment in Ways and Means. And you know, I think he's he's heard us out. His ultimate concern generally and philosophically is, you know, for those communities who are at the caps and they're granted an excess levy appeal, he's concerned that it takes away from the overall pot for the underlying units. So that was a, a major topic of discussion. Um, and then the other one um, within that bill dealt with tax increment financing. Um, without getting too in the weeds, the way it was written um, created a, a bit of confusion. Um, and so essentially what the intent of Chairman Thompson was to say is you can't remove a parcel from an existing allocation area and put it back in the exact same allocation area for the purpose of resetting the base. 
Um, we've gotten a ton of feedback from members um, and our partners across the state in economic development. And I haven't heard of a specific example of how or where that is happening. Um, and so Chairman Thompson said it may be only happening in one or two places, but still not sure specifically um, on the exact problem he's trying to address. But the way the language was written is what we spent most of our time talking about and how it could be read to impact the ability to remove a parcel from an allocation area and put it in a new allocation area. And much of my testimony focused on like why that occurs. And sometimes there are situations where the scope of a project changes. So a parcel remains undeveloped and then a new project comes along and they and they want to do a single site TIF and they, they need to move that parcel to a, a new allocation area where the, the base would be reset anyway and, and any growth on that parcel would be passed through to the units. So it's it's pretty complicated stuff, but there was good questions from members of the committee and good conversation leading up to that committee as well. Um, I don't anticipate that language moving forward in, in the Senate passed version of House Bill 1120 either, but we'll we'll continue to talk to legislators about it on both the House and the Senate to ensure um, that, that we're aware of any potential changes or additions of that language back into other bills. Another bill we, we talked about um, in tax and fiscal is House Bill 1121. That's the um, local income tax bill. Um, the introduced version of the bill um, didn't have a a, a lot of, um, we didn't have a lot of concerns with it, um, but within it, um, there's some language that deals with acute care hospitals. And essentially what it says is um, a county can take an off the cup, off the top lit distribution for county acute care hospitals. And to us, this just is a, a trend of off the top distributions for the county that does impact the, the shares of lit that cities and towns get. Um, but we do know we're preparing for a larger conversation on lit, um, likely in the 2025 session to come and um, in, in looking forward to the bigger picture conversations. I'd say overall, the messaging and tax and fiscal was instead of making these 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 small changes. Can we can we continue to have that holistic conversation on property taxes? Yeah, thanks, Jenna. Um, any other bills from that committee you want to? Yeah, as always, we're, we're flagging the Department of Local Government Finance Bill. Um, Senator Bassler is the Senate sponsor of that. Um, as in its current form, um, there aren't a, a ton of red flags or things of concern to the overall membership. However, I will say um, one provision we're working on is there's language that requires EMS and fire contracts to be um, uploaded and to the transparency portal. And if they're not, then the recourse is that the DLGF can't certify your budget. That's a pretty strong penalty. Um, obviously, we support transparency and want to make sure taxpayer dollars are being spent how they should be. Um, but I think adding a layer of, you know, if the DLGF flags that you haven't uploaded those contracts, allowing 30 days for the unit to be able to do that before they wouldn't certify their budget is, is something we've been um, considering and, and want to continue to talk to, to legislators about. But also in the committee, um, Chairman Holdman joked that the, the bill is probably going to get a lot longer um, as the DLGF bill does because it's so germane to, to so many topics that 
there will be a number of amendments and provisions added and, and they could impact cities and towns. So that's one where we will read closely um, on the version that passes the Senate and have ongoing conversations into conference committee time um, without a doubt. Jenna, that might be the understatement of the session there on the DG DLGF bill, because last session, I believe it was actually longer than the state budget. Is that, You're am right. I remembering was, that correctly? <laughs> I don't remember specifically, but probably. I mean, <laughs> basically all of our top issues that we spent the most of the time talking about and updating our members on could have been found in 1454, the DLGF bill last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be a good idea for us to link a copy of the Senate Tax and Fiscal Policy Committee recording in legislative summary. Just it, you talked about a lot of really important, complex bills. So I think it'd be great if our members can take a look at that and, um, you know, they might find some talking points or message points in there to talk with their lawmakers about over the weekend. Yeah, I definitely, we should definitely include that link and happy to share. And I do think it gives you a, a kind of a sense for the questions that get asked in these committees. And um, I think also think that the fact that there weren't a ton of questions in tax and fiscal also indicates kind of where they're at on this bill. And they're not, they're not dug in on a um, specifically 1120 on a couple of those provisions um, staying in the bill. So it's a, it's a good overview of the process too. Mm -hmm. um, but Chairman Holman asked some good questions and I, I do think it, it's really helpful for our members to see how this process works. Cause there yeah. will probably be a time where we need some help um, over at the state house too. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And it's funny. I think um, we, we really spent a lot of time prepping everyone before session that 2024 was not going to be sort of a big session, if you will, um, that 2025 is when many of these heady topics will be discussed. Um, so it kind of seems to me that the things you testified on this week, specifically the TIF issue, the property tax issue, those seem to be primers or like they're floating concepts to to garner discussion, but don't necessarily plan on plan on taking those all the way to the finish line. Is that fair? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's fair on some of it. I do. Um, I think that's common this year, um, mm -hmm. and I do think. I think, you know, Chairman Thompson introduced the concepts because he would like some of them to pass this year, but I do think he he is very open and wants to continue the dialogue with us on how levies are grown in the MLGQ and, and same mm -hmm. with Senator Holdman and Senator Baldwin on the Senate side. So I, I do think a lot of these issues we're talking about that don't ultimately move, um, we're, we're going to see them again um, mm -hmm. next session. And and I think um, looking at the calendar next week, I think we're going to have a similar vibe when it comes to annexation. Um, Senate Bill 159 is scheduled for hearing only um, and House local government and Chairman May talked about, you know, wanting to start the conversation now as we head into 2025, like you just talked about, um, because he's What's not- What's the, Jen, I'm going to interrupt you. What is the content of Senate Bill 159? Yeah, that is um, Senator Buck's annexation bill that's been introduced each of the last, I don't know, <laughs> sessions or so by him or or Senator Boots. And essentially what it does is it would prevent a municipality from doing a municipally initiated annexation um, in the future. They would all have to be voluntary or super voluntary. Um, this is 
a little history that this version of the bill is what was introduced in 2015, um, where that there were a bunch of stakeholders who got together and landed on um, kind of kind of a compromise of, of the bill that passed that year. Um, so for some stakeholders, they feel like that le legislation wasn't didn't go far enough. But for AIM and our members, I think we just question why this is needed. Mm -hmm. um, we haven't heard a lot about these massive land grabs or, or issues with um, cities or towns doing annexations. I do think the bar is already high um, and it's really hard for a municipality to complete an annexation using this statute. Um, but Chairman May has heard from um, members of his committee that they want to at least start the conversation now, um, preparing for potential legislation in 2025. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw a, a large scale municipally initiated annexation. Um, everything I see come through clips and whatnot or are voluntary, super voluntary, I guess, is what. what yeah, there have been attempts made. I know. Um, there's a small town in southwest Indiana who attempted to do it because they have um, utilities beyond their corporate boundaries. And I wouldn't mm -hmm. I wouldn't describe it as a massive land grab, but they their path forward was to attempt a municipally initiated annexation and it was it was stopped. So I think the process worked. Yeah, yeah the process played out how many um, or at least some members of the General Assembly right. wanted, yeah, wanted to see point. it play out. I shouldn't <laughs> say it worked, obviously, for our member. It did not, but in terms of the General Assembly's desire for backstops. Yeah. Uh, I think like we have to have a real conversation about um, utility services beyond corporate boundaries when there are situations where there are uh, individual property owners that are essentially surrounded by municipal boundaries and benefiting from the from the services of cities and towns, whether it's public safety, roads, utilities. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot that's not currently working within the statute and could impact future growth and residential mm -hmm. development we're hearing about. Well, hey, let's add it to 2025. We don't have much work to worry about. <laughs> that list is growing every day. <laughs> uh, real quick before we wrap up, you know, we've talked about this. We have so many new municipal members just in the past year, year and a half from staggered term elections in a, uh, more than 100 towns. Uh, we had the big municipal election in November. We have a lot of new members. We've talked a few different times about how to engage in AIMS legislative program, but I feel like, you know, you just never know who you're going to hit and when. So let's one more time quickly talk about you know, if you are an elected or an appointed official, how you can learn about um, all of the different bills that you're engaging with at the State House, Jenna, or things that we just um, need feedback and assistance on. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the best way to first get involved is through one of our policy committees. Um, and so typically what that looks like is Campbell, our policy director, will um send a copy of, of an introduced bill or a current version of the bill and ask for um, specific feedback on how this could impact cities or towns, whether it's their planning and zoning or their budgets or economic development. And so we, we really depend on feedback from our members to be able to assess kind of the scope of the problem and the level of engagement you know, obviously we have our policy platform, which which drives our big picture issues. And we 
we, you know, testify on most bills that we can that have impact to cities or towns, but there's always kind of a scale of, of, of how and when we can engage on certain bills. So it really does depend on members actively telling us this is a really big deal to our city or town. And this is, is why. So if you're interested in a policy committee, you know, they focus on areas like transportation, community and economic development, um, administration, utilities, public safety. Um, we, we're happy to send you the list of those and we'll pl plug you in right away. Um, like I said, most of the work is done via email. And then of course, staying updated um, through our legislative summary. And mm -hmm. I do appreciate, um, we have gotten a lot of just individual questions to my inbox and I try to keep up with those as well. And we'll We'll get you feedback on on the bills and and where they stand um, too. If you want to reach out that way as well, yeah, and just and I know we we give this reminder often, but the bill tracking list at the bottom of AIM legislative summary, which um, comes in your inbox every week, it, it features five bills plus this podcast. But that tracking list at the bottom has it all together. Every bill that we're we are following or engaging with is on that tracking list. So that is where, you know, giving that a quick skim each week to see what's out there, what's moving and just shooting an email to Jenna or Campbell, anyone at AIM that, you know, that you know, and asking for more information on a bill or providing information on how the bill might impact uh, your community. That's just really valuable, please. Please do that. Jenna, anything to add on the tracking list? Yeah, definitely look at that closely. And, and obviously, don't spend your time, if you don't understand it or if it seems complicated, I think sometimes the way bills are drafted aren't always crystal clear. But if you see a topic you're interested in and give us a bill number, we probably already have a summary or talking points on it. Um, so we're also help, willing to help in that way as well with like kind of clear breakdowns of some of the legislative jargon. Sometimes a simple strike or a simple addition of a word um, could be a big deal or not yeah. um, with some of these bills. Yeah, that's a really good point. May and shall make a big difference to a bill. 100%. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. Just a quick reminder that the AIM Legislative Dinner is next week. Uh, February 20th at the Hyatt. If you have not registered, it is likely too late. Uh, we are completely packed to the gills. However, we do have a wait list. And if you are in a situation where you can be flexible to find out, you know, um, today or early Tuesday that you have uh, been, you know, that we have a spot opening up um, I would definitely encourage you to get on the wait list. Uh, if, if you don't have that flexibility, unfortunately, it just might be too late for this year. And we'll look forward to having you there next year. Jenna, have a great week. It's been a long one. So I hope you get some rest this weekend. Thank you.